It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself in a Christian worldview. Well, welcome to Quantum number 156. Don't adjust your sound. It's my voice, which is not very great. I've had some treatment for an infection and part of that in treatment, treatment <clears throat> is an inhaler, which has had quite an effect on my voice. But don't worry, we'll get there. And it's not my voice you want to listen to. It's the information. So let's begin here with something from Robin Aitken, um, who worked for the BBC and has written two books called Can We Trust the BBC and The Noble Liar? And he's got a documentary out just now, which is absolutely incredible. And I recommend you watch the whole thing. It's on YouTube. But here's just part of it on the BBC and Christianity. My 25 years at the BBC convinced me that the corporation is now profoundly secular in outlook, a viewpoint linked to its enthusiasm for multiculturalism, the theory which deems all cultures to be equally worthy, a stance which effectively puts immigrant culture in Britain beyond criticism. Therefore, the BBC rejects any analysis of the world which relies on Christian insights. It prefers an atheistic viewpoint which regards all religious belief as a kind of superstition. However, by adopting that stance, it's choosing sides. Bishop Michael Nazir Ali, former Bishop of Rochester, is someone who has watched with growing dismay the trend that has marginalized religious thought and practice in Britain. When uh, Britain uh, began to be more diverse in terms of cultures, ethnicities, religions, and so on, uh, I feel the way to do it would have been uh, to have said to the people who are arriving, uh, this is who we are, uh, you are welcome to contribute to who we are, but this is, this is our starting point, which is the Judeo-Christian tradition, which has more or less uh, made both the spiritual and the material culture uh, what it is. I think that would have been a surer way of creating a diverse society rather than the invention of multiculturalism uh, where no one seems to have any vantage point whatever. In its efforts to be fair to non-British cultures, the BBC now seems actively to discriminate against the Christian culture which has made our country what it is. John Pontifex says he thinks the BBC somehow considers the persecution of Christians to be a right-wing issue, so it ignores it. And that, he says, leads to terrible injustice. The evidence for, for us is clear that big stories, be it large-scale persecution, uh, it ought to be of interest somewhere within the, the BBC's range of output, is just not being taken up. And that um, is a travesty of justice, because um, when suffering is not heard, it is by implication silenced and thereby injustice ensues. And now, it's an incredible documentary, um, as I said, but that aspect of the BBC and Christianity, it's really worth listening to that because he contrasts their attitude uh, to the BBC with their attitude to Muslims. And 
uh, and how they've just ignored the persecution of Christians, largely ignored the persecution of Christians throughout the world. And there is an ideological agenda in that. And that's one of the things I hope that we'll never do here on Quantum. But here's an example of what we're talking about. We're not just talking about persecution of Christians in Korea or in some of the more extreme Islamic states. We're talking about this, for example, from Canada. This fire is being investigated as suspicious, although no cause has yet been determined. It's a suspicious fire because no one was here and it, it started on fire, so that's why the investigators are on scene and they'll be securing the scene. This isn't the first time this church has been a target. Last week, church security footage caught a woman approaching the front door and attempting to start a fire. RCMP is now appealing to anyone who might know who she is to come forward. There's no word yet on whether that... Now, I have to say that I have no doubt at all that um, if there were mosques being burned down in the United States, it would be headline news. But these are churches that are being burned down in Canada. That one was St. George's Coptic Orthodox Church in British Columbia. Ironically, the Copts who've experienced persecution in Egypt, their own country, emigrated as refugees to Canada, and now they've seen their church burnt down. Now, why is this going on, and what's the reason for it? Well, let me mention just some things. There has been a scandal in Canada over residential schools, which are largely run by churches, particularly the Catholic Church. And um, these schools did exist to destroy indigenous culture and languages, and they were notorious for neglect and abuse. By the 70s, most of these schools were run by the state. However, that simple story is too simple. It doesn't tell the whole story. And why go down, burn churches down now? Um, the Sacred Heart, for example, in British Columbia, which has served the Pentagon Indian Band since 1911, was also raised to the ground. Churches have been burned in Alberta, Saskatchewan and Nova Scotia. Almost all were on indigenous land. Um, and a lot of ind indigenous leaders are really disturbed about this. Well... As I say, it, it's because all this stuff has been absolutely worked up. When you're a leftist, or indeed even a rightist, an extremist, when you're an activist, you try to peddle the narrative that presents your adversary in the worst possible way. And so um, the left in Canada haven't spoken out against the arson of religious buildings. I'm not sure that the left anywhere else have either. Though they, I'm sure that they would speak out if it was mosques that were being burned down. And, you know, some people are saying, well, all these children were murdered. No, 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 no. That, they misunderstand. When you dig a bit deeper into the situation, most of the children died from the same causes as non-indigenous non children at that time, influenza and tuberculosis. Now, I don't think... Anyone would want to justify the abuse that went on in these schools. But it's, uh, it's incredible that in Canada, today, in Canada, people are going down around burning down churches. And coming, going back to where we came in, where's the BBC covering this? 
Okay, um, let's let's do just a little bit of, of world news. This story has been covered, but do you recognize this brand? Then you have ever seen each bite is so different, your head just might explode. If there's one thing we know, well, we know ice cream, we're crusading for a chunk-filled Canada. Of course, it's Ben and Jerry's. Now, personally, I wouldn't touch it with a barge pole, not for ideological reasons. I just don't like it, really. But Ben and Jerry have decided they're going to stop selling ice cream in Israeli settlements in the occupied Palestinian territories. And the US firm's parent company, Unilever, have been warned that there'll be legal and other consequences. Because um, Ben and Jerry say that the sale of its products in the West Bank and East Jerusalem is inconsistent with their values. Now, that's very interesting. There is a strong case to be made that the settlement of 600,000 Jews in 140 settlements since Israel occupied the West Bank and East Jerusalem after the 1967 war, that that would be illegal. Most of the international community think that. However, what intrigues me is the way that Ben and Jerry have chosen this one issue. Are they going to stop selling their ice cream in China because they protest the way the Uyghurs are being treated or even Christians in China? What about selling their ice cream in Hong Kong? That, I mean, that's got to go, surely. No, it's an occupied territory, really. People are being persecuted. Yeah, I have a suspicion that this is just yet another one of these kind of virtue signaling selective social justice causes. I wish that people like Ben and Jerry would be more concerned about this, for example. This is from Darfur. This is Kalma refugee camp, home to nearly 200,000 Darfuris. After 20 years of conflict, the camp has become a city and two million people across the region have been displaced. We are one of the first international journalists to travel freely here in a decade. The world's attention may have shifted but the memories of the conflict are still fresh here. Elias was 19 when he fled his burning home. In the morning, he teaches, and in the afternoon, he cuts hair to earn a bit of extra cash. Now, the trouble with places like Darfur is that they disappear from our consciousness for a while. I mean, not the consciousness of the people who are there. But the, the war in Darfur began in 2003 when some African rebels, ethnic Africans, rebelled against former President Omar al-Bashir's Arab-dominated government. And Bashir sent in local Arab militias who were known as the Janjaweed and they killed hundreds of thousands. And that's not an exaggeration. They killed hundreds of thousands. In 2019, Bashir was ousted from government and he's now in prison, about to be transferred to the International Criminal Court to face genocide and war crime charges. 2020, there was a uh, peace agreement signed, but violence has sprung up again and more than 150,000 people have been displaced. Let's not forget the displaced peoples of this world. Okay, let's go on and do some sport. Um, by the way, uh, just to keep you going, my throat, um, I'm here sucking a lemon 
which is absolutely disgusting, but seems to enable my voice to actually work. Uh, I've got a bottle of whiskey at hand as well, a bottle of ginger beer, a uh, couple of uh, some chewing gum and some water and a mouth relief spray. So we'll make it to the end of the program. Um, just let's just say something about sport and, and let's can I say something about the Olympics I have no interest in the Olympics whatsoever I won't be watching it um, I noticed in passing that the the much vaunted by themselves US women's soccer team got hammered by Sweden uh, which was quite funny but I, I really I just genuinely have no interest I've not had interest in the Olympics for a long time um, and for that reason I'm not particularly excited that it's going to come to Brisbane in 2032. Uh, Brisbane was talking about, or Australia was talking about winning it. Um, nobody else wanted it. There was no one else in for it. Um, I could win something where I was the only contestant. But it's going to come to Brisbane. Um, it's reckoned that this Olympic Games, by the way, is going to be a $20 billion disaster for Japan. And that's because of COVID. So... Um, yeah, I've been discussing COVID this week. Have a listen to this. And hello, I'm James Carlton. Welcome to God Forbid. And how quickly things can change. Sydney now going through Melbourne's COVID nightmare. Melbourne returning to the nightmare it just woke from. The New South Wales Premier extends the lockdown. And yet there are still reasons for hope. And mixing our God Forbid panel, we can add informative entertainment very much as well. So let's meet them. David Robertson is a minister in the breakaway Free Church of Scotland, uh, though he's in Sydney now working with Australian churches. Um, to the I came to Australia two years ago. I had a condition of my contract that I would go back home every year uh, because my parents weren't well. I've not been able to get back at all. And in that time... My daughter has got married, a granddaughter has been born, but my father died and he was, uh, his funeral was yesterday actually, and I was not able to attend. Um, one of the things I'm thankful for in terms of this pandemic as well is that we do have things like Zoom which uh, and other technologies which allow us to record shows like this, but nonetheless not being physically present with your, your mother beside your dad's grave is something that for me is a very profound thing. And um, that's part of the lessons that we learn. Now, my experience is uh, reflected with many, many other people. I think one of the great cruelties of this has been people who are not able to hold the hand of their loved ones as they were dying. And I do wonder a little bit if we've become more obsessed about numbers and figures than we have about individual human beings. Yes. I'm so sorry for your loss. Let's turn also on the God forbid. It was good to get on the ABC with James Carlton, and you can listen to the whole program and put a link to it in the uh, on the website. Um, of course, COVID continues here in Australia. We've gone for uh, months and months and months without really having any apart from a fairly substantial outbreak in Victoria, um, and I think we're becoming complacent and proud about it. But like many places of the world. This Delta variant, what used to be known as the India variant, has is beginning to wreak havoc. And I don't know if we'll be able to control this at a personal level. I hate lockdown and we're in lockdown and I don't see us coming out of lockdown for another six weeks, at least. But we pray that that's wrong. But in a far worse situation, of course, is India. And it's been estimated that 10 times the number of of 
deaths that have been reported have taken place in India. So that would be four and a half million people, which is a lot of people. However, you need to be careful with the figure. It's an estimate based not just on COVID deaths, but on deaths that have been caused by lockdown and other factors as well. So it's excess deaths. So it could be that a lot of the poor have not been able to work, or it could be that other illnesses have not been able to be treated. And then, of course, the poor suffer the most, but the rich benefit. And uh, Alexander Marshall wrote an article on the, for the Australian Spectator for which Twitter banned her. Can you believe this? Banned her. Pointing out that millions of people have been trapped in their homes, they've been forced to use the digital world as their primary source of contact, and so because of COVID, the rich have got richer. The multi-billionaires who run Amazon, Apple, Google, Twitter, Facebook, Microsoft, they've all increased their fortunes during the pandemic. Um, Amazon's capital marketization is now sitting at $1.75 trillion dollars. And Australia's economy is looking at projected de debt of $1 trillion. Billionaires in the US have increased their wealth by $1.2 trillion during the COVID pandemic. Roughly one billionaire has been created every 17 hours, resulting in 493 new billionaires. And many of these have built their fortunes on COVID. The nine uh, brand, big brand uh, big farmer billionaires, for example, uh, they've made huge amounts of money. And China's made huge amounts of money. Here's an old song. Eric Clapton, of course, not really celebrating cocaine, talking about that it had a really bad impact on its life. <clears throat> but um, <laughs> there is such a thing now as woke coke. Julie Bindle wrote an article about this, uh, wokeane. Uh, drug dealers are now targeting what they call the WAS, the woke and wealthy, with gear at £200 a gram. She says that when she quit six years ago, £70 was the going price. And now the Coke dealers, are, I mean, why am I laughing? It, it's, it's so sad. They're saying it's environmentally friendly and ethically sourced from well-paid farmers. So the wealthy can have their drugs and, yeah, save the planet. All right, I mean, never mind woke Coke. What about fish? Um, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service has rebranded the freshwater fish um, Asian carp. They've said, we want to wait, move away from any terms that cast Asian culture and people in a negative light. Um, look, the fish were brought to the US from China. They're carp and they're Asian. Asian carp's perfectly appropriate. But if you think that's mad, this is even madder. Guess what this one is about? Here's a tune some of you will know. 
Joe's, of course. Officials in Australia. This is true. This is not a joke, okay? Are describing shark attacks as interactions or negative encounters as part of a new strategy to help the animals be more understood because the, the poor wee darlings are, are just, they feel, you know, misunderstood. Um, I think this year so far there have been six deaths in Australia from sharks. I think if you have your leg bitten off by a shark, um, yeah, shark attack is what you call it. Uh, I don't think you say, I've just had a negative encounter with an animal. Oh, wow, wow. If you think that's bad, I can, or mad, I can get madder still. That's Bob the Builder. Well, just be very, very careful about whistling that tune. It'll stick in your head now. I'm warning you. But <laughs> in, in Bedfordshire, a man has been given a police record for racial hatred for whistling the Bob the Builder theme tune at his neighbour. Um, that, by the way, remains on his file for six years and can be disclosed to prospective employers. It's just there are loads of these incidents that have come out. Uh, I think my second favourite is the drug addict complaining to the police that his dealer treated him badly, gave him a rotten deal because he was gay. (laughs) Imagine being stupid enough to go to the police to complain about your drug dealer and a hate crime. But anyway, but the point about those hate incidents, the more serious point is that over 10,000 of those incidents have been reported. They go on people's records. Not one person's been charged, not one crime committed, not one crime solved. Do you know, if you want us to understand the culture wars, I'm going to strongly recommend this. Um, Andrew Doyle uh, has this uh, culture wars aspect on GBTV. Uh, Again, you get it on YouTube. This section, the, the whole of this section was utterly brilliant. But here's him talking a little bit about what wokeness is. The word woke was originally associated with the concept of waking up to injustice and went mainstream sometime in the mid-2010s. At the time, it was used as a form of self-identification by those who have a particular obsession with identity politics and subscribed to the ideology we, we might call critical social justice or leftist identitarianism. This changed the perception of the word in the public consciousness because now being woke wasn't just about standing up to racism, which virtually everyone would support. It came with a baggage of a whole other belief system. So these days, when people describe themselves as woke, it's difficult to tell what they mean. On the one hand, they could simply be saying that they are alert to injustice. Great, nothing wrong with that. But for the activists who appropriated the word in the mid-2010s, they are advancing a very specific ideology, one that can be summarised in the following four categories. Firstly, censorship. I love, he goes on, I mean, I I would love to play it all, but we don't have time. He goes on to talk about censorship and power and identity politics and lived experience. It is incredibly insightful, incredibly helpful. And if you're wondering who Andrew Doyle is, for those of you who are on Twitter, he's Titania McGrath, who keeps getting banned from Twitter, but he's absolutely hilarious. Um, He's a gay activist, but I I find him um, very insightful. Okay, let's hear just a, a little bit of music. See if you recognise this this tune. 
look, it's a wonderful story. How great is our God? Uh, 200 seasonal workers from Samoa are in quarantine in Hobart on the... In fact, by the time you hear this, they'll be out of quarantine. Uh, but they've come to work as agricultural seasonal workers in Tasmania. And they have two weeks quarantine in the hotel. And at the end of their two weeks quarantine, they each stood out in the balcony and they sang praise to God. Um, I absolutely just loved that. Absolutely loved it. God bless the Samoans. Well, here's a vicar who got in trouble for singing praise. Oh, Jesus, risen from the tomb. That's the Reverend Charlie Doyle, vicar of All Saints, Branxcombe in Dorset, who's now facing disciplinary action in the sack for singing the hymn, Thine Be the Glory. Now, you should watch the video of him doing it. Um, to be honest, it's not exactly the most tuneful uh, praise group in the world. But good for him. He's coming down. He walks down the aisle with the cross and he sings Thine Be the Glory and he's reported by a con someone in the congregation for not wearing his mask. Wow. Uh, um, yeah. Do you know, as I mentioned before, my, my father's funeral, and by the way, the whole of that funeral is now up on YouTube and you can access it through the website. But uh, I... I noticed my mother didn't have a mask and she didn't want to wear one. And you know this, I thought, good for her. She's burying her husband. Let her be. Let her be. What kind of petty, pettiness does it take for somebody to go and report someone for singing Thine Be the Glory? All right, let me just mention a, a couple of other things. Um, you know, we talk about evangelism and good news. Well, here's something that Steve Chalk said. It's not good news. Tell me if you can work out what's wrong with this. The way I see it, God is not a Christian, a Jew, a Muslim, a Hindu, a Buddhist, or a Sikh. Instead, God is the author and lover of all humanity, regardless of religion, belief, race, age, gender, sexual or gender orientation, marriage status, ethnicity, abilities, or disabilities. Sounds cute, doesn't it? Sounds nice. Sounds good. What's wrong with it? Nobody said God's a Christian, a Jew, a Muslim, a Hindu, a Buddhist, or a Sikh. God is different from humanity. But what Steve doesn't believe is what God says, that the only way to salvation is through his son, Jesus Christ. And that's why he sent his son. It's not we all just have different religions. Furthermore, Steve's talking nonsense when he says he gives the impression that it doesn't matter who you are, what you do or anything. Um, what if someone has an orientation which makes them want to abuse children? Do you just say, well, God loves you, which is true at one level, but does he love what you do? Not at all. The good news is that we don't make our own gods, but that he has sent us his son, Jesus Christ, and he sent him for the whole world. And I know people who've been Jews, Muslims, Hindus, nominal Christians, Buddhists, Sikhs, atheists, who've become believers. And that's wonderful. Okay, um... I'm doing my top 10 podcasts, and number nine is this one from the BBC. On Last Word This Week, the pioneering black British filmmaker Menelik Shabazz and the archaeologist Elizabeth French, whose work helped to uncover the majesty of the ancient Greek city of Mycenae. But first, Donald Rumsfeld was the Secretary of Defence behind some of the most controversial US military... Last Word's a fantastic programme. Um, I, I just, you know how you go to newspapers and you look at the obituaries... Um, and I mean, well, that's one of the first things I look at. 
you know, the, the ones in the Stornoway Gazette are brilliant. Um, in the Times, they used to be brilliant as well. But Last Word is like that. And it's often got most of the people I, that are on it, I, I've not heard of. And that's what makes it even more interesting and fascinating. Anyway, speaking of COVID, speaking of singing and the Samoans praising and the vicar being banned, you know, there's this, this is lovely. This is from the Keswick Convention. 16 months when we've not been able to, uh, not been allowed to uh, sing together. And I don't know how you've felt about that. It's, it's, been, uh, it's been for good reasons, but it's been uh, the repressing of the instinct of the Christian heart to sing. Now for the first time, uh, in all those months, we are able to sing together. I'm going to hand over to Colin, who's going to introduce to us a truly wonderful... God is faithful in the midst of all the plague and all the storms and all the troubles. And we get to sing that. And we need to keep singing that song. I'm going to leave you and see you next week. And feel free to uh, send me your comments, send me your stories, send me your complaints or suggestions. And if you want to support Podbean, then support Quantum Rather send your money to the Podbean fundraiser that would be really appreciated uh, value prayer for my voice and also to be honest in lockdown I hate it I absolutely hate lockdown in every single way uh, we pray that God would have mercy upon us and give us all the real freedom that comes from knowing Jesus see you next week bye great is thy faithfulness oh
isn't that just the most beautiful sound that some of us have heard for a long time?